Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode on Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Raza. I'm your host, Grace Hopper. I have Keith Overton on today's episode titled Actions for Fathers. So, um, Keith, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what made you go into activism? I mean, I guess I'm an activist. Uh, I don't publicize that, but I got into it. I mean, it, it's a really long journey and everything is, um, I mean, I, I went through, I, I just had a, a slew of failed relationships. Let's put it, failed romantic relationships. And, um, you know, I became a father 17 years ago and his mom and I, you know, really what happened was we dated probably for about three months. She got pregnant. I broke up a week. I broke up with her a week before she told me that she was pregnant because something had happened where I was just like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work out. We can still be friends. A week later, she got pregnant. So we tried to make it work. And it didn't work. <laughs> and I got into, and a lot of things happened within our relationship. Um, I have been in therapy since 2004. So I, at that time, I was in my early 30s. And when I, you know, so I've been working on myself due to my, how I grew up as a child. I've been trying to figure all that stuff out. So then I got with my son's mom and I always knew I wanted to be a dad. And for me, I was like, if I ever have a child, I want to possibly, you know, I want to give my child what I didn't have. My dad wasn't in my life. So it just didn't work between him, his mom and I, we lived together for nine years. And it really, at the seventh year, it got really bad. So, I mean, so yeah, it's kind of a long story, but essentially um, a domestic violence situation happened between his mother and myself on the day that I was moving out. I was supposed to move out that weekend because we had agreed that I was going to leave. And the night that I was leaving or that weekend, because I had just found a place, um, you know, she kind of freaked out. And then I freaked out. And a uh, domestic violence situation happened. I wound up spending the next week in jail. And that's where it kind of started. And it was just very messy. But I went to anger management as, as a result of, you know, my sentence or whatever you want to call it. That was very helpful. And I was just really in a weird, wacky place where I had to grow up and figure out, not blame other people, but just like, hey, what what is my part in all of this? So that's when I just started doing a deep dive on personality disorders and cluster Bs and reading up on narcissism, reading a ton of books on splitting, uh, just people's behaviors, including mine. 
And um, that's how I got into it. You know, I became like, there was this message board that was on Facebook. And um, from the advice that I would put on there, they asked me to be like a moderator of the group. And so I would tell other people and I chronicled all of this, like on my Facebook posts. And, um, you know, that's how I met Antonia, uh, you know, well, in this particular subject of, uh, you know, abuse and stuff. I know that was long winded, but that's because it's been a long, long journey. No, it's not long winded. It's good that you shared your your own um, story and this will re resonate with other men as well. Yeah. So when you said you went through anger management, mm -hmm. was that one of the major issues? that was going on um, in your relationship? Was that what was actually wrong with your relationship? No, what was, what the issue with the relationship, and, and this is across the board, objectively speaking, right? Our society tells us to be a certain way. And a lot of things are getting messed up. So anger could also be the silent treatment, right? Passive aggressiveness, right? Yeah. Like, Obviously, I can lose my top, and yes, I can be angry, and I'm a big black man, and blah, blah, blah. We know that trope. However, my son's mother was actually angry. You know what I mean? And so when you're around certain people, you know, I, I because I'm the man, I got sentenced, you know, I was the aggressor and whatever. But no one saw everything that happened before that, Right. And I'm full aware of that. So I did the anger management. You know, that, that's pretty much what happened. Like, what, what do they say? Like, like everything that, it's like an illusion, right? So like everybody sees the end result, right? And then that's what I also learned what reactive abuse is, right? Yeah. The abuser actually, you know, freaks out finally. And, and then now they look crazy but they didn't see what's below the iceberg. They didn't see what was below the water to make yeah. that person do that. Yeah. So, uh, but, no, it wasn't anger. It wasn't anger. You know, I never hit my son. I had never struck him, his mother until that night, according to her. But that really didn't happen. You know what I mean? And so it, it was a lot, you know, but. You, you said that didn't really happen. So are you saying that she... Well, no. It was false. I will tell you what happened. I was leaving, and we had a thing in our house where I that night I had to go buy a computer. Me and my son went to Apple Store. We come back, and she was cooking um, pernil. Um, this, it's this Puerto Rican dish, and it's very garlic-heavy, and it, and it stinks when you make it, right? Because they have to clean the pig with vinegar or whatever. And we had had an agreement that she would not cook that in the house. But when me and Keith came home, me and, me and my son came home, it was in the house. And so now me and Keith, like, we had a reaction to it. Like, we were like, oh, my God, I'm sick to my stomach. So we didn't say anything much. I left. I left. I left for the night, went out. And what happened was... I knew I was moving out, and, and at this point, my son was nine, but he was still sleeping in the bed with his mother, right? Okay. I have been telling her for two years, he can no longer sleep in the bed with you for two years because 
it just wasn't right. And so what I saw when I came back home that night is like, in my head, I know what emotional incest is, right? And I'm like, she's older, he's younger. So I was telling her as a responsible adult, you need to wean him off of him sleeping in the bed with you. But I also knew that she was emotional and now she's using her son as this person to absorb that emotion, right? Because that also happened to me as a child, right? Because adults are supposed to be responsible enough and not, and shield that from the children. So I come home, they're sleeping in the bed. And at this point, I was already sleeping in the living room on the couch. But that's where they were sleeping. And I'm and I got very frustrated. I'm like, yo, bro, I told like for two years. Like, like, like you have to have some type of discipline and just hear me out. But anyway, she gets upset. She goes and puts him in the bed. And I'm and like, and it was just weird. So I go to her and I'm like, hey, can we talk? So I grab her. I'm like, hey, can we talk? I grab her like this. She lost it. Oh, my God. Don't you put your fucking hands on me. Blah, 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 blah. Goes all crazy. Then um, I have her. I'm holding her. She starts falling. She falls. And I I, I basically I let her go. Because, like, now she's acting up. But now she fell, hits her head on the fucking doorknob, and she's freaking out. I'm like, what the fuck? In my head, I'm like, this is really happening. Like, and so I got upset and, and I did hit her. I'm not gonna say I didn't do that. Cause that's what happened. But in my head, I had enough. I'm trying to leave. And at this point, I didn't know what abandonment issues were with people at this point. So I left. I called 911. I reported the domestic situation and then I left. Then I had to turn myself in like two days later because it was like Thanksgiving weekend, whatever. Got a paid lawyer and basically got sentenced. And then even my lawyer, like, you know, was looking at me crazy. So it was just a lot. But that's the truth. Like that's and I'm and I'm not ashamed to say it because as human beings, we're allowed to make mistakes. But you don't keep making the same mistake. Mistakes, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know if I answered your question, but that's yeah, that's fine. So yeah. you say that you learned from that experience, and that was why you actually started the movement, or you became so. I don't call it a passionate. movement. I don't call it a movement. I don't call it anything. I don't promote it. I'm just okay. a regular guy who's been mm. working on myself for years. I'm a proponent of therapy. I, I, you know, since I was a child, I don't give people presents. I give them books. So I'm always about intelligence. I'm always about whoever's around me. You have to like, I'm going to support you and I need you to support me. And that's just how I've been my whole life. And so I, I don't, I don't, I don't promote myself as like anything. If you know me and we have conversations, you know, it'll come up. You know, but I don't, I don't know activism. I, I'm a men's rights activist. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But I don't promote it because it's very dangerous to do so in this day and age and this is in our society, you know, so. 
that's where I'm at. With Why do you say it's dangerous for you to promote it? Are you, <laughs> are you looking at it from the political aspect? Unfortunately, yes. But I don't promote it because one, I, I believe if anyone's genuinely going to do something, they don't have to promote it. Genuinely, like everything happens for a reason. So and it should happen organically for me. Hmm. So I, you know, I have friends, you know, male friends. It just so happens when they turn about 34, 35, 36, and they start having children with, with ladies. There was one time, like a good seven year stretch. All my boys were like, yo, this is what's happened. This is what's going on. So they were, you know, and I, and they had saw me go through it already. So, you know, my phone rings from a lot of my friends who are vulnerable enough to share with me. Hey man, this is what's going on. I just need to talk to somebody. So I'm not a professional therapist. I'm not, I'm nobody, but I know how to hold space for people. You know, that's a thing. And it's also like, you know, for men, that's not very masculine, right? But I don't give a F. You know what I'm saying? I don't care. I don't care about these masculine, feminine roles. I don't. But they do affect our relationships in society now. And that's really the bigger thing, you know. So so there's a lot to unpack. So, In a way, I see you as a mentor for the younger men. Would you say you're a mentor to most of your younger friends? Absolutely. But I don't promote it. That's not a part of my identity. I just am who I am. I have a code for me. And I know, and I know just humans, we pick up, uh, uh, you know, behaviors and traits just by being around people. So I have to walk that walk. And I've just been, I've been doing it my whole life. I've been doing it since I was a kid. I've been doing it my whole life, so it's not hard for me. But I know, you know, where that ego comes in for some people. Like, oh, I'm a mentor, and you should listen to me, and blah blah blah. Nah, you when you're ready, you come, and we can talk. And you know, that's that's what it is. <laughs> so, what would you consider to be reasonable access for fathers? I mean, really, for me, I think men need to um, come together and just stand up for themselves and not be scared. Like we have to do it amongst ourselves. Men. I don't, I don't know what reason, I don't, I don't have an, a thing for that. I just think that men should be responsible enough to know that they could go to one of their homies or something like that. And then, you know, keep it real. Like, you know what I'm saying? The conversation needs to happen amongst men. And, you know, men have to also, you know, you have to balance your masculine and feminine energy and like, don't be afraid to speak up. You know what I'm saying? The squeaky wheel gets the oil. That's true. So we, we also need to take a page out of a lot of the ladies books. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause it's a balance. It's a balance, you know? So, so a lot of women speak up, but as men, you're not supposed to speak up because that's what you were told as a kid. You know, it's all this posturing and you've got to be this way. And I hate the word toxic masculinity, so I'm not even going to say that. But 
access, I mean, men, we just have to do it ourselves and create that community. And it's kind of like the Underground Railroad. You can't tell everybody. You know, maybe you have to come up with a handshake or something, or I don't know. But I don't think, you know, it's unfair how society has everything set up. But, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't know about access. I don't know. So would you say because of the society is, it contributes to men being shut up, being, not being able to vocalize their emotions, their feelings? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause you were grow up, you were brought up as a man to like, there's a code that all men grow up, right? And now since the Me Too movement, it got all crazy. It's just like I remember I was dating this lady and I was holding the door for her and she got mad. Don't hold the door open for me. I'm like, not a problem. But then I finally asked the lady, like, why wouldn't you want a man to hold the door open for you if that's the way they were raised? Mm. And she said, that's how y'all were raised. Yeah, that's how we was raised. I don't know about this new generation, but I know my generation, Gen X. And before that, you were raised to respect women. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying cats do it all the time, but just that example of holding a door open for a female, right? A, a lady. To get shit for that as a man? Your brain is scrambled. You're like, wait, what? But that's the way I raised my boys. You need right, to respect right. women. We are the weakest vessels. Right. We're, we're raised to protect, right? And, and, and as a man, that's who you are by nature. But now society got it all screwed up, got, you know, really what I find the problem is, the issue. We've split the home up, right? Because now if you could have two people working as opposed to one, right? Because traditional roles are someone nurtures and takes care of the kid in the home. But now if you got two people working, nobody's taking care of the home. That's true. So nobody's taking care of the family. So all that old school traditional family, which is really where the community starts, it's gone. Because now women have to take on this masculine role and not feel their feelings. You see? It's all messed up for me. That's how I see it. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just all messed up. And it contributes to, because if women aren't in their feminine or, mat, or or their power, right, which is providing, nurturing, caring, right, society has told women, don't do that. You don't have to do that. You can go over here and be just like the men and go make money and compete, it's all of these mixed messages. And so I say I don't promote any of this because I sound like a conservative at a certain point, right? And I'm not. I just deal with facts and what I've been through as a 53-year-old man. But I know <laughs> what you've just raised now is quite salient. But I believe it has to do with the families, Individually, what do you want the family to look like? Do you want your wife to work or stay at home until the children are raised to a certain age? Because children pick up children pick up a lot of things from zero to seven years old. Yep. And that is when their character is molded. 
So for most, I'm speaking from an African uh, point of view because I'm African. For most Africans, even if you're educated, your husband or partner will say, okay, because of child minding costs, especially in this um, current day and age, cost of living crisis and stuff, okay, stay at home, I'll be the provider. When the child is now of a certain age, school age, maybe primary school, then the woman can go look for work, maybe part-time work. That was how I was able to raise my children. I was working part-time, schooling, and then nurturing and taking care of the family. Even now, I find out that most women now, they prefer to stay at home, nurture the children, take care of the family, and when the children get to a certain age, they go look for work. Mm -hmm. I believe that is how the society should be shaped. Mm -hmm. That's my own point of view, mm -hmm. because people have different opinions. Mm -hmm. So I do agree with what you said, mm -hmm. but I am talking from my own perspective, from right. my own experiences. Right. Same here. And actually, that's what my son and my mom and his mother, that's what we did, right? However, here's the rub. When I met her, she made a lot more money than me. I was in between careers because I was a DJ. I was a cash guy. I was like, I didn't make as much money as her. So on paper, I don't look great, right? On paper, she looks amazing. She's got credit. I don't have this point. I don't have credit. So they're like, it didn't matter to me. It mattered to her though. So I was actually the one cooking, providing while I was interning. So it, the roles were just reversed of what you just said. But I see it now where in America, a lot of the women are doing better than some of the men. And then that causes a rift in the home. So now I make just as much as her, you know, let's say 10 years later. Oh, now we can have a normal conversation. I don't, I've, I've never brought this up to her. But I know that that's part of why it was happening. Because I see it happen with my other friends. If that makes sense. What was happening with the other friends? Were you were the partners competing with them? Right. It's that silent. Like you don't even realize you're competing. You know what I mean? And women are told, oh, a man should do this. But when the man doesn't do this and the woman's doing it, now she's feeling slighted. You see? Because the roles have in America, the roles have been reversed. But you also have to understand. Not you, but the proverbial you. I wasn't raised with a dad. I was. I come from a broken home. My grandmother raised me, and she was a blatant narcissist, like borderline crazy, and she controlled everything in my house. So I would go to my friends' houses who actually had parents, right? Yeah. And I would see the differences. So I said, when I go up, I want to have a wife, I want to, you know, and I tried the best I could. It didn't happen. But what I'm saying is what I see here in America is that is this competition.
And I believe, you know, they empower women a lot more than men. And like now it's not okay to be a guy here. It's just not. But we forget, especially for black men who were raped, black men here, they tried to break up the homes since the 60s here. So I got 15 male friends that I grew up with all my life. Two of them have both of their parents in the home. And then the rest of us, we can't, I say we raised each other. So I'm a professional. I do a lot of things, but there's a lot of things that I was missing. You know, I don't blame anybody, but that's just what it is. And I see it amongst people like, you know, the video games, like, you know, some guys just stay home and play video games all day. I don't do that. I was still working, but because my son's mother made a hundred thousand dollars or $150,000 and I only made, let's say 40. She looked at me like I was a piece of crap. That, 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 that's how I basically can sum it up. And then I see that happening around me. So now the woman's like, Oh, well, I can't trust this guy because he doesn't make enough money. He's a loser. So, so there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot going on. A lot. Well, well let us not be myopic in our, in our judgment here. We're not going to be myopic because there's some other families or other relationships that are quite healthy. Yeah. Let us not just be narrow-minded here. There's still other relationships that are healthy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, like, so I want to say, like, my son's mom, me, her and I have come a long way. You see, when I asked her to get into therapy, when Keith, like, my son's mom had a, a, a what they, postpartum. Okay. I knew it was postpartum. I begged her. I said, please go talk to somebody. Because I knew what it was. No. What would my mother think? She was against therapy. I was in therapy the entire time I was with my son's mother. She finally got into therapy. Now she's doing amazing. Now we can actually talk. There's situations I I wouldn't talk. I wouldn't bring it to her. I was like, she she's emotionally immature. She can't handle it. So, you know, there's a lot going on in society, period, and especially here in, a, in the U.S. You know, and I have to bring that out. And I don't knock my son's mother. I never blamed her for anything. I I, I was... I was upset. I was, but I, I kind of figured it out and we co-parent with each other now. Okay. You see, and things are a lot better, you know, and, 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 you know, now we can actually have conversations and she can actually be like, well, when you used to talk to me this way, I thought you were making fun of me, but now I realize that that was my problem. That was my issue. That was my shame. And I was mm-hmm. like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm sharing everything I've been through, but, but like I said earlier, I'm committed, you know, and, and I'm seeing the results now. Finally, you, you believe therapy is worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's also putting, you know, working on yourself, allowing yourself to make mistakes and not be shamed for it. A lot of what we do in our lives as humans, we yeah. let shame dictate. And that's what I saw in my son's mom. 
Thank you so much for that. The law says, <laughs> yeah, the law says that it is a child's right to have a loving and meaningful relationship with both parents. Do you think parental alienation is a criminal offense for a father's from a father's perspective? Absolutely. Yes, it is criminal. <laughs> it is criminal. Like I went through that with my son's mother too. And yes, and I don't believe, I do not believe like you've got to do what's in the best interest of the child, of the human, of the little human, right? Because that's what we're here to do. We're here to cultivate, grow as human beings, right? But how I've seen it around the world, women get the benefit of the doubt, period. They can do whatever the fuck, whatever they want. And then a the man's got to like, you know, take, take the weight. So I was alienated from my son while we were in the house. Hmm. She called up, oh yeah, I'm sleeping at my mother's house. And, and she would talk about it like it was just her, but it was her and Keith. You see? That's alienation. And then the kids pick up on that. So absolutely alienation, yes, is criminal. Absolutely. But I guess it's also hard. I guess it's really not hard to prove if you bring in psychology into it. But but I don't I believe it, it's hard to prove. And I think it should be laws on the books. Yeah, apparently it's horrible. Oh. But if a parent's mentally ill. If, if it's if a parent is mentally ill. So what happens? The person's got to step up. Like, I know for a fact, dealing with, and I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not, you're not supposed to diagnose people. My friend, she's mentally ill. Anybody who takes and runs, male or female, right? And you're keeping that child away from the other parent, doing these little, manipulative things to make yourself feel better about yourself, you demonize that person, that, that's a problem. That's a problem. That, to me, that's, a, that's an emotionally unstable person. They call it mental health. I call it emotional health. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. And we, and you know, thank God we've recently been talking about, you know, mental health. Like I said, I call it emotional health because that's what it really is. It's a, it's, it's people who don't know how to deal with their emotions or articulate their emotions to even get to the meat of the real problem. It's your emotions. On the flip side. Yes. Our fathers who, when they promise their children in, in terms of access, contact, that I'm coming to pick you up at two, they don't turn up. They make another contact and say, okay, I'll come next week. Sorry, I wasn't able to make it this week. They still don't turn up the following week. 
So, so you know how so psychologically, say, uh, uh, I got you. It, yeah, psychologically is affecting the children. Yeah. So would you say that such fathers should be granted contact when they keep on failing? I, now, I have a solution. Contact. I have a solution for this. Like before you ask me for the solution for something else, nothing. But you know how we have a domestic violence class? Yeah. Hey, dad, you need to go take this class to show you how to be responsible because if you like, like that could be an emotional response, right? And I'm talking about human beings because a, a, a woman could do the same thing and a guy could do it, right? Yeah. But it's like, if you're overwhelmed, if you're booking too many things, right? And, oh, sorry, I'm not going to come pick him up. Yo, see, here's the thing with my son. I was dedicated, right? So it's about dedication. I don't know. But what I'm saying is I know it affects the children. I don't think these men knows that it affects the children. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yes. Because they may have been raised like, oh, get over it. They'll deal with it. Because that's how a lot of society was was raised. But it's a lot of it is that's ignorance. Oh, if you tell your child you're, you know, they're four years old, five, six, the child is cognizant of you bailing on them. Now you are giving them a complex about now you got abandonment issues everywhere. Right? So yeah. you gotta be the rock, bro. You have to be the rock. And a lot of men don't know how to do that. Because they're not dealing with the reality of the situation, which is, okay, yeah, I feel like this, but this is the right thing to do. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so should classes be made for such men? Absolutely. Absolutely. We teaching everybody else about Instagram posts and this and that. And if we're in the age of information, let's disseminate that information on how to create good men. And the church ain't doing it no more. You feel me? There should be a class. But ain't no money in having healthy people. That just brought it back to capitalism. You know what I'm saying? There's no money in creating healthy human beings. So if such classes were to be um, organized, should it be organized by the government? Should it be organized by religious institutions or what? Who should be responsible for this? For me, I would like, I would say like, cause, cause it's community. So it'd be great if you can get government monies to make that happen or a nonprofit, a nonprofit could be created. And because a nonprofit, you know, you have board members and they could be from wherever. So a nonprofit could be created via the government, you know, gets government funding. And then you have, you know, let's say I live in a small town, right? We've yeah. got a, a, a Methodist church, a Baptist. We've got two Catholic churches. All of those churches come together with the government. Hey, this is what we need because we want to create a healthy community. Not only churches. Huh? Not only churches, even uh, mosques. Churches, mosques, you know, all of that. Because everything's about division. You see what I'm saying? So I'm, for me, yeah, it, all of it. Because us as a society, as, as as humans, 
we have been duped into thinking we're better than each other. And, and it's so all of the issues that come from the male female relationship yeah. is just it just reverberates bigger and bigger society. So my whole thing was like, yeah, I believe a nonprofit, the government, if you want a healthy government like America used to be like, oh, we're the best. No, you're not. You ain't been the best for a very long time. It was an illusion. But you're, I, I believe a clash. Yeah, that would be, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. So should an abusive father mm. see his children and to what extent should contact be made by such fathers? I mean, no. But see, it's so crazy with abuse because there's so there's so much, there's a spectrum of abuse, right? There's covert, then there's overt. Overt, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like the not showing up, that's covert. And that's just as damaging, if not more, because it's non-existent. And if people act like if they don't say nothing, it's just going to go away. And it's emotional and psychological as well. So physically abusive, you know, you can see that. That can be, that's going to be handled. But it's really... It's a larger issue for me. I talk about society. I've been talking a lot about that, but that's what I believe. You can't make money off of emotionally and mentally healthy people. That's, I mean, I, I don't have a solution for like, you know, what the law or whatever should be because I'm community based. I'm community oriented. I start with my situation and then I try to model my situation and hopefully other people see it to help. So one of my solutions is, like last night, me and my son's mother went out and all of my college friends are like, are you guys back together again? They're like, no, no, we're just friends. We're just co-parenting. He wants to do a podcast about it. She's like telling everybody. Because I do. I would love to do a podcast with my son's mother because I think we did a pretty good job. And we've been through a lot of stuff. And people are afraid to talk about those things. But you have to model, right? So just like as parents, as humans, we modeled for our children. They saw. You have to do that for the society at large. I don't know if that answered your question. So according to Fathers for Justice, one in three children, nearly four to five million children, live without a father in their homes. What are the main reasons for this large numbers? Oh, oh, oh. <sighs> I can only talk about America. But what I've known from what I've researched and studied <coughs> for me and my and the black African American community, the black community, I don't like to say African American, the black community here in America back in the 60s, created the welfare state, right? You as a black man, you couldn't be in the home as a man and then the woman get money from the government. You, you follow me, right? Yes. So here in America, that was a model that started in the 60s, right? Now we're in 2023. So the black community were the test dummies for that shit 
because now that's happening to everybody in America. You feel me? The government's like, oh, well, you're the woman. We're going to give you money. But guess what? The man cannot be in the house for you to receive all of these benefits. You follow me? So here in America, the guy's like, oh, well, I don't have to worry about shit because the government got it. You see? So it sets up this really dangerous thing. So it made men not accountable for their families. You see? Oh, well, she stressed me out anyway, so I don't have to deal with that. I'm going to just go over here and hope it goes away. So it's, it. I believe we, as humans, don't promote healthy things. You know, like we live in our shame. All of our behaviors are coming from how we feel as opposed to how it actually is. So fatherless homes is crazy. I was raised without a dad. But I'll tell you what, my mother never spoke ill of my dad. Never. My grandmother? Oh my God, he was the worst person in the fucking world. My mother took accountability. She said, well, you know, this is what it is. I did that. I take responsibility for your father, for the person I slept with. So she never talked bad about my dad. I don't. I just need to say that. <laughs> she took responsibility and accountability for me being on this planet. So she would never sit there. And now, I guess I'm kind of going back to your alienation question. Yes. He was never around. He was always in jail. But she didn't make it worse. She's the one who taught me how to be accountable and responsible. Because she modeled it. I slept with him. That's why you're here. Yeah, he's not here, but I'm not going to tell you that he ain't shit. She just never, you know, and on her deathbed, she apologized. So it's just about modeling. So did you ever meet your dad? Yes, I did at 33 years old. And did you ask him why he? No, absolutely not. I'm 33. I'm a grown ass man. I know why. You got emotional issues. You are a human being. Why would I put that on him? He already had a hard life. I was just happy that I got to see my mother and father in the same room on my 33rd birthday in a bar that I owned in Brooklyn, New York. That would be unfair of me to add why. Come on, man. You know why. You're grown. I know why. You got issues. Your parents fucked you up. Hmm. Why? That's me being a victim. We got to change it. Absolutely didn't ask him that. No. <laughs> Thank you, Keith, for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we can laugh about it sometime. You know what I mean? I know, because it's uh, this is sensitive um, stuff. I appreciate your questions. You're welcome. So how important and effective are family mediation services? Ooh, great question. Uh, For me, they were very important. And um, like when I did my mediation, I represented myself. And what they did was they made us both go to a psychologist. So little Keith went, his mom and me. And I just told my truth. 
and they made me do uh what was it uh supervised visits with my son okay so i'm like oh you try his mother like you know what i'm saying she's like no blah 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 and i'm like oh you done messed up because i'm golden this ain't no front so we went to do the supervised visits I don't know how it works or whatever, but I got a hundred across the board on that. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. She suggested it. But then what she didn't realize is she fucked, she messed up. So now they writing stuff about her. They're like, this guy's been in therapy for nearly 15 years. We don't believe you. So this was part of the mediation. I show up to court every week on time representing myself. She got a paid lawyer. I wish I could have called and told her, yo, don't, don't, don't pay that $700 every appearance. It's not worth it. But she's not listening. So the mediation, I'll never forget. I'll never forget this. I hope I don't get emotional. The mediator goes because we finally worked the deal out without having the mediator have to do anything. Cause she saw I wasn't giving up. And I am, I'm steady in mind. Long story short, the mediator goes, you know, I really love to see when parents finally come together and they don't make me make a decision for them. Cause the last thing you want is to get caught up in this system and have the government mediate for you. So I mean to say that by because my son's mother has some semblance of integrity, hard work, and ethics, right? Yeah. We worked it out. But I did that by how I led. You, you see what I'm saying? Yes, I do. I stayed strong. I stayed, no, I'm the lighthouse in this. So, you know, and we worked it out. And like, you just saw my son come in, actually. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, mediation. But it's also, like, I go back to the hard work that we put in on ourselves. And I mentioned the word integrity, ethics, and hard work, hard right? Work. Yeah. Three That's things. what you need. Three so things. if a guy's not showing up when he says he's going to be there at 2 o'clock, there's no hard work. There's no ethics. You see what I'm saying? So that's and there's no integrity classes. as well. Boom. And that's why we need that class. Yeah, I get passionate. Good. <laughs> so is enough emphasis given to parental responsibilities? You know, it's quite. You've answered some of the questions. Okay, I mean, cool. But can you? Um, reiterate more about this. Well, absolutely, but I'll bring it back and I want to say human beings because eventually you may or may not become a parent. So even if you're not a parent, you should be working on those things your entire life, right? So when and if you do become a parent, you have those things. So we'll go back to what you just said, integrity, right? You gotta be working on that your whole entire life. Ethics, morals, you have to be working on those things your entire life, right? 
provided you are working on those things, when you become a parent, those are the things you're going to teach the children. Right. So it's a continuum. Should stepfathers have more or less rights than biological fathers? Oh, boy. First of all, do not ever become a stepfather. <laughs> don't do it. Guys, don't do it. I can't, I can't even answer that question. I need more time. We're going to have to skip that one because that's, 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 that's a bigger, that's a whole topic. So is that a sensitive uh, question for you? Oh, you good. It's not. As it's not sensitive, it's it's reality, right? I just found out two years ago that I have a 30-year-old daughter. The mother chose another man to be her father. Wow. But when I was 20 years old, I didn't know she was sleeping with this guy who was 10 years older than her who happened to be my best friend. Well, not my best friend, but a, a friend of mine in the community. You see? That must have been a double whammy. A double whammy. But I feel for him. Because I'm like, we all missed out because of her decision. So when I said, guys, don't become a stepdad, don't do it. Because sooner or later, if we keep, making up for the mistakes and i'm going to say it and it could be sound sex if we keep making up for the mistakes or the the unheld accountable things that women do we're screwed now at that point maybe the government should help out but guys do not deal with women who have children just don't do it don't that it's yes it's sensitive Yes, because the reality is this. You ask the question, should stepfathers have the same rights as, as, as biological dads? That's really tricky because I wanted to be there for my daughter, but I was, cho but I was told I can't participate. I want this guy to participate, right? So I can't call. I can't say. It. I just know, like my son, I'm gonna don't get involved with a lady that has a child. Straight up, don't do it. It's not gonna end well. So that's from your own perspective. I've seen instances yes. whereby it worked. Huh? It worked. It's none of my business. Yeah, I'm just saying that. That's from your own perspective. Yes, absolutely. But when you said earlier, as a mentor to these young men, that's one of my sayings. Do not get involved with a lady who has children. Don't do it. Don't start, no won't be none. Mm. Don't care. Don't care. But that's your philosophy. That's, that's what my some philosophy. That is my Jedi-ness. Don't start no don't be no keep your life simple. Don't make don't overcomplicate your life. You can see this is quite touching for you. 
know, this is where I, I'm an empathetic person. But on this matter, it is black and white. There's no gray area for me. So let's get that straight. Because I've seen a lot of dudes simp out and like, oh, you know, and I've seen a lot of guys step in. But then it gets messy. It's too messy. So for me, anybody who comes to me and ever asks me that question, I'm going to no. Hard no. <laughs> I don't care if it's work for these people over there. You know what? That's your business. I don't care. I wouldn't do it. And I'm going to suggest any one of my friends not to do it. Period. Hard line to stand on that one. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. What degree should child protection services be involved? Oof. Well, it depends. It depends. I mean, I can't get, I can't even go there because I see my grandmother finesse the hell out of TPS when she, when she was beating my ass. So I don't really know. I, I can't answer that. That's like that's once again the government stepping into your affairs. But the government has already set you up for failure because, like I said, we don't have these classes teaching emotional intelligence, teaching, you know, responsibilities. Right, right. So, like I said, you can't make no money off of emotionally healthy people. Why do you think there's so much secrecy involved in family court matters? Or family court systems. Secrecy as far as like for protection of like the people or what do you mean secrecy? Um, secrecy in terms of families when they have issues. Oh, oh, so a lack of transparency to yes. to like other people. Yes. Shame. It goes back to shame. We do a lot of things, humans, shame versus guilt, right? Shame is like, oh my God, how are people looking at me? Oh my God. How are people going to perceive me? That's shame. But once you don't give a F about how people see you, you're focusing on yourself. So we're always looking for outside validation. Right. But we're not working on ourselves internally, which is the people closest to us as well. So that's what goes back to it's our responsibility as human beings individually to to work on ourselves. Right. To me, it always comes back to our individual responsibility and hopefully it will affect the people around you. So as I was working on myself, my son's mother finally had to work on herself. Now, my son sees us both working on ourselves. Hopefully, he's like, no, nah, I got to work on myself. So then his friends see him working on himself, and that's how it works. So I don't know if I answered the question. So so what you're saying that it does create a dominoes effect? It can create. I, I would hope it does, but there's also a lot of jealousy, right? So we go back. The question was, why is there so much secrecy or lack of transparency in family court system? Well, I mean, like, you know, 
from the family to the court is shame from the family to the court. When I went to my mediation, I'm telling everything. I know my son's mother would not do that because that's how she was raised. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I don't want to feel shame. So when I suggested that she go to therapy and she said, what would my mother think? Why the fuck do you give a fuck what she thinks? She's got her own fucking life. You got a life over here with me and our son. So it's about shame. That circle of shame. And shame also leads you to not live in reality. And that's a delusion. But if you're transparent and if you're and if you can self-reflect, right? So it's all still goes back to the individual for me. You have to be able to look back and be like, oh wow, I messed that up. Damn. Okay, I'm gonna do better next time. You see what I'm saying? So it's all about shame and then families abuse lives in silence and shame all of it so that's why there's a lack of transparency from sometimes from family to court okay from the court to the family i can't stay because i'm not in the court right i'm not gonna sit here and speculate why the court does what they do they got their set of rules yeah I just don't want to be a part of their rules. So what what you are saying is families should be able to kind of settle their differences, their grievances amongst themselves. Yes. But like I said, when we finally went to court, we'll mediate. She got it. You know, we figured it out because I had to threaten her with it. But she's a sensible person. You know what I'm saying? She's not vindictive. She doesn't have, like, you know, these things. And, like, she has just become such a better person. You understand what I'm saying? She's not petty. So we were able to work out a situation. And that's why you're still good friends. Ugh. (laughs) Keith. We're becoming better friends for the sake of our child. You know what I mean? For the sake of our human. You know what I mean? I got to go to work soon. We went over. Okay. Okay. We'll wrap up now. Okay. Thank you so much, Keith, for coming. Um, Can you just give some last words or advice? I mean, I've been giving advice through this whole thing. Anyway. Um, honest, like for, for, for men and women, but specifically men, like I know it's hard fellas, but you stay accountable and responsible for yourself. Don't be petty, have integrity, learn what integrity is. When somebody's not looking, don't do whack stuff, stay your ground. That's what we need as human beings, right? So men are leaders in their own right. For, for for what they need to lead on, right? Let a woman be a woman. You know what I'm saying? And 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 we need to promote more articulation of how we feel and and and, and foster having your friends let you tell you how they feel and listen, right? Don't be petty. Don't don't be vindictive. Everything that be a Jedi, 
<laughs> like, if you watch Star Wars, you got the Sith, you got Jedi, right? You got, well, you got to try to do the right thing. Not because it makes you feel good, but because it's the right thing that helps society. That helps us all grow. And don't be selfish. I mean, be selfish, but you know when it's going to affect, you know, society. Like, just don't be petty. And this is, goes for men and women. Kill the vindictiveness. Kill the pettiness. You know, and I'm not a Christian. I, I mean, I kind of am, but like, you know, do what Jesus do. Do what, what Allah would do. You know, educate yourself on how to make this place, this world better. Period. Educate yourself enough that you know when you walk this planet, you are making it better, period. I don't know that's this philosophy. I don't know. But that's how I rock. It's the only advice I can get. You know, do 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 the best you can for yourself and the people around you. I'll wrap it up like that. Thank you so much, Keith, for coming. It's been a pleasure having you. This has been Grace Opa. For rising above shadows of abuse, Raza. See you on the next show. Be safe and be positive. Bye for now. You can leave your comments on our social media handles or our email address, risingaboutshadowsofabuse at gmail.com. Take care.